Fantasy football is back, and you don't want your team to suck. My favorite fantasy football punishment I've ever heard is the last place guy had to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House, and every <laughs> waffle he ate was one hour off of his count. I want numbers. How many did he end up eating? 12 waffles in 12 hours. <laughs> I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm Danny Kelly. And I'm Craig Horlbeck. We host the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. To avoid eating 12 waffles in a Waffle House, follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The Rewatchables is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook at The Ringer and TheRinger.com. You can listen to Van Lathan on the Higher Learning Podcast, an excellent podcast with Rachel Lindsay. You can also hear him on The Ringerverse, The Midnight Boys, uh, and you can hear Woo-hoo! him here sometimes as well. Yes. Producer Craig Horlback, you can hear him on The Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which is kicking ass, and we are getting very... Van, are you in a fantasy draft? Uh, yes, I am. Are you lit? You should listen to their podcast. They actually have good information and good tips, and um, it's it's good. You should listen to it. I don't, I don't need their help. I'm I had a friend that. in my life, Lewis K, was like, "Hey, I listened to the Ringer Fantasy one. Good podcast. I'm getting good guys from it." I once won a thousand dollars from my fantasy league by simultaneously scoring the least amount of points in the league. Oh, you were that far. guy. Yeah, I was literally. I caught a stretch. It's so weird. Nobody believes me. I caught a stretch where I was literally winning games like 22 to 17 every <laughs> right. single week. And then by the time the playoffs came, there was this halfback for Tampa Bay. I can't remember his name, but he carried me all the way into the championship. I'm gonna, I remember, remember his name at some point in this podcast. Well, obviously, he didn't affect your life that much. But all of the podcasts <laughs> we just mentioned, Ken, coming up, one of the most important things of life is showing up. Hardball's next. They're the worst team in the league. You guys stink. But they're about to get a little help from the last person they ever expected. You guys will never be a team until you see it played right. Those kids trust you, and they don't trust anybody. Got it. Keanu Reeves. Why do you use a head, Jamal? Hardball. You're not really trying to get Miss Wilkes, are you? No, what? Good, because I already tried, and she ain't having it. PG-13 starts Friday in theaters everywhere. All right, we are nearing the 20th anniversary of a seemingly harmless baseball movie from Keanu Reeves in 2001 called Hardball. Came and went, didn't make that much money. Uh, What has lived on was the most shocking movie death probably of all time. We litigated this a few weeks ago on the rewatchables. I always said it it was Fredo. I guess Fredo wasn't that shocking. We went through a whole bunch of possible deaths and then Van said, no, no, it was G-Baby. And I, I, I 
couldn't even come up with a response. It was G-Baby. It still is G-Baby. We are 20 years uh, on September 14th wow. from the anniversary of losing G-Baby. Yeah. And I got to say, Van, it still hurts. I still don't know why they did it. I don't know why it wasn't just a bullet wound in the arm. And I can't believe they did it. It's it's And it's still emotional. It's one of the most emotional deaths in the history of the movies. Am I right? Uh, you definitely are. By the way, the name of that halfback was Ernest Graham, for everybody who's going to remember riding mm. Ernest Graham to a championship. But you're definitely right. It came out of nowhere because Hardball the movie was kind of positioned as like a uh, updated version of the Bad News Bears. You know, it was the Bad News Bears... Uh, he was going to come in there. He, the kids were going to rally around each other. And it was going to make this guy care about something in his life. This was, G-Baby was like the mascot of the team. The one kid you wanted to root for. The most charismatic of the kids. And they had a really charismatic bunch, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And he was cool. It's like he wasn't even really acting. He was just kind of doing his thing. And then I remember being in the theater with my mom, who we went to see this because my little cousin wanted to see it. Me and my mom and my little cousin. <laughs> G-Baby G gets shot. And my mother goes, now you know what? God damn it. And I look back over at her and she's crying, like crying her eyes out. It was Everybody was like, <gasps> no one could believe it. It's like a weirdly hard-hitting cinematic moment and what other was what otherwise was a kids baseball movie? I saw it with my college roommate Jacko, who's been on uh, my podcast many times. It was a couple days after nine eleven. We had had this whole college trip of our friends were going to go, and obviously that got canceled because nobody was going to fly anywhere. Everyone's depressed, and Jacko and I are like, comes up anyway, comes up to Boston. We're hanging. Let's go to the movies. Go to the movies. We think we're going to go see this Keanu Reeves. Bad News Bears meets Dangerous Minds meets The Wet Shadow. We think we know exactly what we're getting with this movie. Right. And then in the last 25 minutes, it turns into a combination of Brian's song, Terms of Endearment, like every sad movie I've ever seen in my life. We're like fully not, people are sobbing in the theater. Yeah. We're emotional sitting next to each other, kind of like doing the two guys. I didn't realize we were going to have an intimate moment together thing. And it was, uh, and it brought out some of the best acting of Keanu's career, which is hilarious because he's a very polarizing actor, which we'll get into later. He crushes the funeral scene. He, he does. fucking crushes it. Nails it. And, uh, and it's just super emotional. And then uh, it's lived on and on on cable, which is why we're doing it as a rewatchable because- it's hard not to get sucked in when this movie's on, especially if it's the second half of the movie. Everybody knows G-Baby's death is notorious. Everybody knows what a wallop to the chest it was. Um, I couldn't get my mother to watch the movie ever again. Like we, <laughs> we, we used to have this long, we had like this library, I think I've talked about it before, of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of VHS tapes, hundreds of them. And... I went out and I, when it came out, I bought Hardball and I was like, it's gonna show it to my dad, rest in peace. And because it's a baseball movie, my father loved baseball. My mom is like, no, I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking, they're killing kids in that movie. And my father was like, they're killing kids. What do you mean they're killing <laughs> right. kids? And I'm like, you know what? They don't they don't kill any kids. I'm like, well, technically they do kill a kid, but that's not what it's about. Like you just yeah. gotta watch it. They so, definitely kill a kid. They definitely, they definitely kill a kid in the movie. Yeah. So uh, I share, 
My good friend Mike Tolan was one of the producers on this movie. Him, Tolan Robbins, they made a bunch of sports movies during this stretch. They made Coach Carter. They made Varsity Blues. So I actually called him this week to see if there was inside info for the movie. Mm -hmm. And a couple things. This was supposed to be a rated R movie. They had made Varsity Blues a couple years ago and it made a lot of money. And they wanted to make this like kind of a raw R-rated, bad news bears set in Chicago, whole thing. And at the last second, the studio's like, no, 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 this has to be PG-13. And either you make the edits or we will. So they make the edits, they take out a couple swear words, they make it happen. But what they didn't realize, now that it's PG-13, kids and parents are going to it. And none of those parents know what's going to happen to G-Baby. <laughs> wow. And it was like one of those. So they're getting letters from people and that, you know, it, it became kind of a thing. Like, how could you do this? How could, mm -hmm. how could you actually kill G-Baby? I still kind of feel that way 20 years later. I still like, did they have to actually kill G-Baby? Couldn't have just been, couldn't you just been in the hospital? Well, the movie, the, the book is based on a movie and the movie is based on a book, should I say? Right. By Daniel Coyle. Right. And I'm not familiar with the book, but if this is somebody's real life experience, then perhaps, unfortunately, uh, there was a G-Baby in his life because we know that in every single situation around the country where there are uh, deprived and underprivileged and violent communities, that there unfortunately are G-babies, kids that are just walking to school, riding their bikes, doing their things. Uh, men and women too, they get caught up in the crossfire, all of this foolishness that goes on. So maybe they were trying to keep it true to the book, but the movie was, it was like a weird tweener because like it also had like a big so-so deaf soundtrack. It had like a, it was like a, it was being positioned as, Hey, one of those movies go out to like we go to see Harbaugh. Like I'm telling you, my little cousin, he really wanted to go see it. And after G Baby dies, it's so sad that they can't get the movie back. Like they really can't get the movie back. You know how in in movies like this, where some where a character dies, sometimes it's in the middle of the second act, sometimes it's at the top of the third act. But then they gotta go do something, and they can snatch the movie back. You know what I mean? They couldn't get this one back. It ends and you're still sad, even though- <laughs> I actually I think, but I think that's an okay thing because up until the last 40 minutes, this is not a great movie. This <laughs> okay. is this is a bizarre Keanu Reeves has a gambling problem and is mean to little kids movie. Right. And then all of a sudden the movie finds some sort of, I don't know, tragedy brings- Keanu's character actually kind of rounds it into shape and becomes somewhat likable and his journey becomes realistic or a little mm -hmm. more realistic. They win the game and all of a sudden the movie's doing things that I wasn't prepared for it because this just seemed like a cliche upon cliche upon cliche. They're stealing stuff from, especially the White Shadow. They steal a bunch of stuff from the White Shadow, but it, it's you kind of know what it is heading into it. And I think that's what made the curveball so interesting with G-Baby. It's it's definitely the most interesting choice anyone's made in just a generic sports movie that was clearly with the one star on the poster. And we're just going to put this out. We'll have the one hit song. There'll be a couple kids. Maybe one of them will become famous someday. But I don't think they had like a lot of ambition with this movie. But I, it, weirdly, it's the one that endured. I have the whole list of sports movies that came out. I'll read to you now. Um because there was a sports movie renaissance here, right? And we did mm -hmm. the program, uh, which was, I think, 95. And then there's this flip where there's some high-quality sports movies that come from 96 to 02, where you have Jerry Maguire. He got game. 
Tin Cup, uh, The Rookie, Varsity Blues, The Water Boy, Any Given Sunday, For Love of the Game, Love and Basketball, The Replacements, mm. Mystery Alaska, Finding Forrester, The Replacements, Summer Catch, and Coach Carter. Mm. I saw all of these movies. Saw them too. And they either, like, they tried to get super ambitious, like He Got Game and Any Given Sunday did, or they tried to be funny, or you wanted somebody for the poster. So the rookie has, it's Dennis Quaid. Um, mm-hmm. Hardball, Keanu Reeves. For mm-hmm. Love of the Game, Costner. You go, yeah. and and Tolan said, told this to me on the phone. It was like, they weren't going to make Coach Carter if Sam Jackson said no. They weren't making Hardball if Keanu said no. There's no casting what ifs for this. It's like, if Keanu says no, we have no movie. But are, do you feel nostalgic for this era? Because I just listed off 16 movies that I still like when they come on. I feel nostalgic for the era because I think the era is gone. Me too. So, like, I had an idea for a great sports movie, and they and people were like, it was like right up the, it's that same thing, and people were like, well, why don't you just pick one that you liked from back in the day and just redo it? I'm like, and I don't want to do that. There are more sports stories and different sports stories for us, and different stories for us to tell. I think that kind of it's run out on that, and I think that the world of sport now is actually more interesting than it was. Now, there are some sports movies out there that still are pretty good. You know, you had High Flying Bird a couple of years ago, um, and that was a very ambitious project by Steven Soderbergh. But yep. to have all of those movies together and then for them to be so varied in tone, for some of them to be kind of like kids' movies, like Tin Cup is essentially a romantic comedy. Uh, you have He Got Game, which is a very heavy drama about fathers and sons, the carceral system, what it means to make mistakes and redemption. Any Given Sunday is the first real indictment of NFL culture that we've seen sort of in a film, which is something that would be gone. Go Do you see people do that, you know, in, in popular culture all over the place, talk about how destructive the NFL lifestyle is and yep. what they're doing to people and stuff. So for that sort of, like, palette of films... You definitely won't see it anymore. And also, you're not going to see these sports movies anymore really unless you got big, huge stars connected to them or they're connected to some sort of piece of IP. And when I say big, huge stars, I mean big, huge sports stars. You know what I mean? You might be able to get this movie made right now if Tim Anderson was the coach. Maybe not even Tim Anderson because nobody really even knows who Tim Anderson is. Shout out to Tim Anderson. You know, people don't know baseball players anymore, but... Otani's the coach. Otani's the coach. Otani's the biggest thing going (laughs) right now. Otani has a gambling problem. He lives in Anaheim. Right. Like, you could do that whole thing. (laughs) Otani's Anaheim gambling problem. You know, he knows... The Japanese mafia is after him. Right. Yeah. I I remember I wrote wrote a lot about when I had my column back when my fingers wrote, but in ESPN, I would always write about sports movies. I would always try to review them. I reviewed this one way back when. Um, And you could feel it starting to shift. I remember this specific movie was Gridiron Gang with The Rock. And this was 06. And that that tried to follow that same blueprint, right? It's like, we have The Rock. That's the guy for our poster. We have this idea. It's going to be basically hardball with, you know... uh, they saw a true story kid. as well, though. Yeah, yeah it's a true story. And these were like uh, high school kids that I forget what it was. They, they were they were like they were they, they weren't in jail, but they were in like they were uh, like in the juvenile type juvenile, of situation. Yeah. Juvenile, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that movie didn't do that well. It wasn't very good, and you could just kind of feel the era dying. And I think over the last twelve years, sports movies shifted again. They became a lot more focused, a lot more niche stuff. It was stuff like Damn United and Warrior and Moneyball. 
and they kind of became movies that also happen to be about sports. This is the last the era side. of like, yeah, Blindside. This is the last era of like, where it'd be like summer catch. We're just going to the Cape. Some kids are playing baseball. Somebody's going to fall in love and we have Freddie Prince for the poster. Jessica and Bill. that's it. I'll now, it what's interesting, heading into the 2020s here, I think sports movies are going to come back again because I think the streamers are all making these. Like they're doing like, they're either doing them as TV, you know, t- blown out TV shows or just remakes of movies. But I think because they see, because the streamers get all the data, they know that Van Lathan is going to be watching uh, Remember the Titans mm-hmm. when it's on Netflix. They notice from your little Van Lathan algorithm, it's like, oh, he watched Remember the Titans twice in two months. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should make a football movie geared around some sort. So I think it's going to come, I guess is my point. I think we have a whole bunch of sports movies coming for us. Can I give you a take? This is, uh, this is a take. I don't know if society is fun enough to enjoy sports movies anymore. You mean right now or just forever? Right now. Mm. So think about White Man Can't Jump, right? So, mm. and White Man Can't Jump, you're watching them talk about who they are as characters. Woody Harrelson says to Wesley Snipes, black guys would rather look good and win, look good and lose than look bad and win. I'm a white player. I'd rather look bad and win than look good and lose. Wesley Snipes comes back, gives his shit back to, to Woody, right? And that push-pull, that dynamic between those two guys, the fact that they're both so intractable uh, in what they believe about the other person and about the way the game should be played, it leads to good basketball. You find out that on the basketball court in a two-on-two game, each guy is what the other guy needs because of their differences, right? Yeah. We don't celebrate our differences anymore. And uh, so many times in these sports films, that's what it's about. Like, it's about, like, people, oh, I'm going to take a ragtag group of this and put them together and blah, 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 blah. You're going to have the one guy that's from down home and whatever. I think people are too uptight, even for Remember the Titans, to be honest with you. I think people are going to look, oh, that other coach was problematic and look what they got to do to black guy and all that, even though it's a historical story. And I'm not saying that any of these people are, are wrong. I just think we're too tense to go to the movies and just have some fun sometimes doing some of the stuff that 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 happens in the world of sports. A sports locker room is a very like uh, you know, <laughs> it's a unique place. If you play right. for the 49ers, you know, you might be a pro-black pan-Africanist, and then you gotta share a locker room with Joey Bosa, but you still gotta go out on the field and make the game happen. And it's just gonna be more difficult to reflect that in people who think sports are less important and who also aren't really into having this the same way. Like in all of these movies that we're talking about, you can look at so many of the things about them and somebody's going to say, oh, it's problematic, it's this, it's that. And in the world of sports, it used to be the one place where you could escape all of those narratives. And I don't think that it, I think that right now, like if White Man Can't Jump came out right now, I think there'd be think pieces about Woody's character. Well, think about if G-Baby got killed in 2021. If G baby that got would cause a riot on there. How many how many dumb think pieces would that produce over the course of ten days? But you couldn't make this movie in 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 today anyway because it's a white savior film, right? Right. Keanu's. So we, I was going to say that later. Keanu is one hundred percent not white in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Somebody you else. Can't, you it's can't Michael make, B. Jordan, ironically. 
even though he's in this movie. Who comes back to do it, right? And you yeah. can't make that film. You can't make this film anyway right now because it's a white savior film. Even though, apparently, if you look by the book, this might have actually happened in real life. But you couldn't make the film because a lot of people, to a lot of people, that would be offensive. And just to be honest with you, we have had too much of that. Like We've had... Too many films uh, 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 that that delve in that, so I do understand people being a little sick of it. But I'm just saying, the sports movie will come back when people just want to go and watch movies and have fun again, and not every single movie has to be a ministry about every single uh, social topic that we're that we're discussing on Twitter. One other thing hurts sports movies, and I, I remember I wrote about this 2009, 2010, somewhere around that. It was after we created 30 for 30 and we started showing them. I think sports documentaries really hurt sports movies because in a lot of ways, sports documentaries became the new sports movies, right? The yeah. last dance, the last dance is basically a sports movie. We did, we made, I don't know, 70, 30 for 30, 60, whatever it was when I was there and they, they're still making them now, but you kind of get the same rush sensation from watching like the fab five documentary that you would from a fab five movie. There's, Really, a lot of times you're better off doing those as documentaries versus sports movies. And then I just think a lot of the ideas have been taken. It's really tough to do another slap shot. It's yeah. really tough to do Rocky again. Like they managed to reinvent Rocky with Creed, which is like almost impossible. But um But I but I but I but but see I this this once I have a disagreement with you there. I think the sports landscape is more varied now. So I would never do another NBA sports movie. Not right now. If you gave me NBA or even college basketball, what I would do the movie is the one that I pitched is at the Drew League. Mm. You do a movie about you do a movie that surrounds that culture because these the world of sport is infinite now. You can make a living being a basketball player right now, and you never have to play in the G League or the NBA or even overseas. You get sponsored by Ball is Life. You get sponsored by there's all kinds of ways to 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 talk about it, all kinds of narratives. But um, people don't want to explore them. They want you to remake Blue Chips. That would be pretty cool if they remade Blue Chips. <laughs> 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 they have to flip it though. You're you're on board with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's in Blue Chips? Can we talk it out? Who's the coach? <laughs> Can I get Denzel? Um, the uh, the thing is, I think they're going to do a lot of gender flipping with some of this stuff too. Like I saw on Netflix this week, they had this apparently terrible movie called He's All That. I saw it. So they took She's All That, they've made it He's All That. So with I wonder Addison like- thing. Yeah, I watched it. So could there be, you know, they take an old basketball movie that we love and they just flip it and now it's a women's basketball movie. And yeah. could Victory, the soccer movie we did recently on this one, could that flip and become whatever? I wonder if that's going to happen. Uh, all right. Mm. Keanu Reeves. The first scene of this movie, we see Keanu and he goes to church and we're like, oh, I wonder who died. And he tells the priest, I'm looking for the bulls to cover the spread. <laughs> we have that moment and we are off. We're off with a Keanu experience. We're ready to go. He's playing <laughs> Connor O'Neill. Does anyone look less than a, like a Connor O'Neill than Keanu Reeves? But how I'll tell that, you how what, is though, that his name? He very rarely looks like the character that he's supposed to play. He, uh, it's to true. me, he, he's like, always miscast no matter what the part is. Read the script for John Wick. Yeah, and it's great script. And read what John Wick was supposed to be. John Wick was supposed to be like a seventy-year-old guy, 
that had been oh, gone really? for yeah, that had been gone for a long, long time and stuff, and it was coming back. Read the script for it. he very rarely looks like the guy he's supposed to be playing. Well, he plays a ticket scalper who has a gambling problem and a drinking problem. And then when I wrote about this movie, I said he also has an acting problem. Um, <laughs> in that piece that I wrote okay. 20 years ago, I talked about the difference between lively Keanu and wooden Keanu. And this is 2001, and, and this is after The Matrix. Keanu has a pretty quiet 2000s after The Matrix movies, and then comes back, John Wick reinvents him yet again. And, and you look back at his IMDb and his career now, and he's just made a lot of movies that I like. But there is this wooden Keanu versus lively Keanu. The wooden Keanu, like some of the movies are like Sweet November, Johnny Mnemonic, Dracula, Chain Reaction, where he's just on autopilot the whole time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you don't know until you're in the movie that you're getting wooden Keanu. Lively mm-hmm. Keanu, which is my favorite, where you have in, in Parenthood, you get him at Speed, you get a Devil's Advocate, you get him in Point Break, Johnny Utah. I am an FBI agent. I am an FBI B you get, I agent. You get it a little bit in the replacements. That's the Keanu that I love. And that is the Keanu that we get in this movie. He's smoking, he's drinking, he's gambling. Um, he's making me laugh unintentionally multiple times, including the scene when he wins all his money back, which is one of my favorite dumb scenes ever. Uh, give give us uh your Keanu, your your big picture Keanu take, what he means to you. Uh so Keanu for me was like um an older cousin that babysat you then you got cool with when you were an adult. <laughs> that's like how, that. that's kind of like who, who Keanu is, is for me. You know, like your, your great aunt's son or somebody like that, your big cousins, and they babysat you and then y'all became tight when y'all were adults. I'll tell you why, because early on in Keanu, I loved Parenthood. I was a kid. I loved Parenthood. He was a big part of that movie. I love you. Mm. Like the whole nine. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure freaked out behind it. Freaked out behind Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's Keanu Reeves, right? And then as I get older, he changes a little bit too, right? So I get a little bit older and now he's in Point Break. Point Break is another order of pizza movie chill when you're a kid. Now, I'm old enough to go to the movies on my own. Who am I going to see? Keanu Reeves and Speed. Right? Like, One like of the first rewatchables we did. Like he's, he's there in Speed. Now, I'm taking dates to the movies, who am I going to see? Keanu Reeves in The Devil's Advocate. That was what that was my first date movie. So think about it. I had gone from being with this dude since Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which I watched with my sister infinite times. Then I, I, I go to college and then in the summer, The Matrix comes. So every single, and now even as an older dude, right? When I'm start, finally starting to hear my bones creak and I'm not getting as many buckets on the basketball court in the pickup basketball games, John Wick comes. And he's still kicking ass. It's the same guy. Now he's like my boy. Now we're, we're almost in the same point of our life. He's 15, 16 years older than me. But I've been rocking with Keanu Reeves maybe as long and as invested than any other actor. Like, he has so many movies that I absolutely adore, and even the ones in between there that people never talk about. I fucked with it when he was, when he tried the Dracula thing. Obviously, I love my own private Idaho. Like, a, like a lot of movies, when he tried to go Shakespearean for no reason, didn't work, I was there with him. <laughs> he so took he, some bad swings. He, he took a, he's taken a couple of, he's taken a couple of bad swings. I remember, 
because I didn't like Johnny Mnemonic. But I remember going to see Johnny Mnemonic and being like, yo, this is the first movie of his that I've watched and I'm like, ah, I'm not really fucking with this one as much. Yeah. And, it was, and they made kind of a big deal about it on the old MTV movie thing. Um, but but anyway, so that's kind of my feeling about him. It's like Keanu, Keanu's an actor that's always been with me and like some of my favorite films that I watch over and over and over and over again feature Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it's not like a LeBron type career, but if I was going to do like a basketball basketball to movie comparison about what kind of star it's it's somebody with a lot of longevity it's somebody that you look back at the career it's like when jason kidd got to that point we're like oh man remember when he was on dallas i forgot about that like he'd just yeah. been in the league so long and mm-hmm. it had these different he was in the finals then he went then he was relevant then all of a sudden he's on dallas then all of a sudden he's actually winning the title but he was just kind of kind of around for an unusually long time. And that's Keanu's now three plus decades. Yeah, around so long that you forgot he won a couple of titles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like around so or long. Or made a couple you, finals. Or made, or made a couple finals. Or yeah, was on for, a couple Olympic teams. They're like, oh shit, I forgot that. I forgot that too. You're talking about Jason Kidd and people be like, yo, Jason Kidd was really nice like that? I'd be like, man, Jason Kidd took the next to the finals. Like he was the MVP candidate. Like Jason Kidd was nice. And that's kind of the same thing, you know, with, 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 with Keanu Reeves. He's got some Whoa. big, huge, fucking gigantic movies. And it's not as on his IMDb, but it really should be. He basically creates the Paul Walker lane for Fast and Furious. Because Paul Walker in that in that first movie, he's just doing that's a Keanu part. He's just doing Keanu. Well, it's, a, a, it's a Keanu it's a homage. That's yeah. a, that movie's a remake of Point Break. It's yeah, I know you it's we've Point talked Break about with Cars. It's the and, same movie. Yeah. And he's Keanu in the movie. And basically, Keanu easily could have been Brian O'Connor for nine Fast and Furious movies if he wanted. But uh, so I feel like he gets a little bit for that. Um this movie was released three days after 9-11, September 14th. $32 million budget made 44 million, not a lot. Roger Ebert, two and a half stars. Huh. He wrote. Okay tells the story of a compulsive gambler whose life is turned around by a season of coaching an inner city baseball team. That sounds like a winning formula for a movie. And it might be if the story told us more about gambling, more about the inner city and more about coaching baseball. I agree on the last two. I think there's actually enough gambling in this. And as I said, this is somebody who loves gambling. Um, I, I think the gambling probably, they go too hard on that and not hard enough on, I really like the kids. I wanted to spend more time with the kids. We'll get into that. We'll get into all the categories in one second. We're going to take one break. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. All right. Most rewatchable scene. I mean, there's a couple no-brainers. I'll just... A couple that I liked. I like when he meets the kids. I think it's really hard, especially with little kids where we don't know who they are, to kind of go around, in this case, the dugout, and get a sense of like, oh, that so that kid's going to be the kid who has asthma. And that's the kid who doesn't trust Keanu left. Oh, and that's the comic relief kid. And oh, that that's the Kelly Leak type kid. And they do a good job with that. I like it. Uh, Miles Penfield II. Is dude. Damn. What position does he play? He says he can pitch, Coach Connor, but I might pitch too. What's your name? Jefferson Albert Tips. Mom says I can play anywhere. My asthma and all, I should probably play first. I gotta keep my sugar up too. You know, Mom said that some boys just playing big bones. <laughs> some boys just playing fat ass. Hi. Matt Highland. Kofi doing that book report with Keanu in class? Yeah. Did you read the book? Yeah. Tell me something about it. It was booty. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna call your mom tonight. That girl Meg is dumb. She think her father come back from wherever? That's stupid to believe in. That girl and her mom is both tripping. Cause where I'm from, do nobody father come back. Not enough classroom scenes. I could have used like three more. Not enough classroom scenes at all. You mean you're you're talking about the point where he actually talks about the fact that Meg's dad in Wrinkling Time doesn't come back or comes back. I'm a yeah. sucker for the the teacher didn't think the kid read the book, and then there's that <laughs> twist, and the kid drops some intense knowledge about the book, and the teacher does that. Oh, you did read the book. I always I always get that. Yeah, anytime I, in a movie. I dug that. Um, yeah, that's a pretty rewatchable scene. See, some of the so when you say rewatchable scenes, some of these scenes are rewatchable, but like I don't want to rewatch them. Well, I left those out. Some okay. of the tough ones, like the asthmatic kid, bruh. they the practice oh God, is bro. too late and he's and he can't get home. He's holding the pizza. Yo, yo, I would be honest with you, Bill. And you guys can say whatever you want about me. I watched this movie last night again, even though I've seen it. I cried my eyes out. Like, when I tell you, I I cried more for that scene than I did with the G-Baby scene. I'm getting older, and the peril of black boys in crisis all over America, in Jacksonville, and Richmond, and Gary, and Chicago, and South Baton Rouge, and L.A., it is wearing on me sometimes that I have, like, a great life, and so many people that come from the neighborhood that I come from are not experiencing these same things. And so many of these kids are getting traumatized and, you know, yeah. you do as much as you can, but you watch this kid who knows what's coming, bro. That's where he lives. It's like, and I've seen that scene a million times, but I had to stop, like get through That's like where he lives. He's scared to go into where he lives and that's people's reality. So no, I'm not going to wax poetic about it too much, but that was really, really, like, for a movie that's kind of uneven, that was really good, hard-hitting, effective filmmaking right there. Like, they you have really a couple, a, yeah. yeah. They have a couple moments like that where you realize this act, this movie actually could have been great in the right hands. Because mm. there's that other one early on where MBJ's walking with somebody and there's this random out. gunshot and they, yeah. they both freeze for it and then they just keep going. It's like, oh, that's an interesting moment. All yeah. right. 
that sets the scene for where we're where we are. And there's touches and you know the classroom thing. Like I actually really got invested in those kids. This is how many years before Wire season four? Like we're talking five, five, six. five, six, something like that. Yeah. But you know, there's some there's yeah. some Wire season four bones in some of those scenes. Sure. Uh, I actually had the pizza scene as a rewatchable scene. Even it is rewatchable. That's it's mine. Tense. But like, it's, it's really hard good. to watch. Yeah. Uh, next one is when Miles, when they let him pitch and he turns into Pedro Martinez circa 1999, <laughs> 2000 with the headphones on. I just like it. It's great having uh, Biggie Smalls in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite, I put this on Instagram. My favorite dumb scene in this movie is when Keanu wins his bet. He goes all in. Yeah. And whenever they do this in a movie... You know, he's making one huge bet and it's like if I if I win this, I erase all my bet my debt. And if I lose, I'm gonna skip town. Anytime right. this happens in a movie, the guy loses the bet. This time <laughs> he actually wins the bet. Uh, which never happens. It's also one of the funniest Keanu scenes probably ever filmed. They're standing outside the bar, they're watching it. John Hawks is giving him the play by play, and Keanu's like just throwing himself into oh, like doing all Keanu stuff. It just fucking kills me. No, don't foul! Don't foul! Don't foul! Shit! They fouled him! Ah! Shit! Williams will shoot two! Oh, God, Tiki, never again! Never again! Shit! What's happening? Talk to me, what's happening? Williams at the line. Williams makes the first. Shit! Shit! He makes the second, it's over, you're dead. Williams shoots 80%. Williams shoots. It's in. Shit! Um. Three more. G-Baby gets his jersey right into the game and the Big Papa scene when the crowd's singing Big Papa because... That is the... That's the one. I love shit. I love corny shit like that. I love it when you call me Big Papa. That whole nine minutes is excellent. Um, Keanu's speech after G-Baby dies when he turns into Keanu Day-Lewis. And watching him raise his arms in triumph as he ran to first base. I swear, I was lifted in that moment to a better place. I swear he... uh, he lifted the world in that moment. Just <laughs> right. unbelievable stuff. Right. And then I like the ending. I like I like the speech. It's corny as hell and it's a sports movie thing, but I thought it worked about showing up. He's like, life's about showing up. You guys showed up. You guys should be really proud. It's like, all right, this is good. There's a good lesson here. Yeah, no, I get it. It, it I understand it. I just, the end of the movie gets tough for me. Like even watching it when they're putting their trophies up, I'm like, man, G-Baby not around to see this. I can't believe they took G-Baby for me. Why do I keep watching this fucking movie 20 years later and hoping that it's going to somehow change? It's the same thing is going to happen. I remember I did a tweet like five years ago. I just ran away at 1030 there. I was like, why the fuck did they kill G-Baby? And then just everybody <laughs> was replying underneath shit. it. Everyone just got upset. Uh, yeah, so Tolan told me the ending was just them running on the field. And then the studio really wanted to show that they won the game. Right. So they had to go back and film them with the trophies. Sure. And there's a kid missing. There's only eight kids in the scene. So you can mm-hmm. see there's one of them missing. Uh, all right. So 
I got to say, my most rewatchable is Keanu's speech. Yeah, that's pretty That's dope. for me. You have the yeah. pizza scene. I got the pizza scene. So right. To me, the pizza scene is the hardest hitting scene of the whole movie. What's age the best? I have a lot for this. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan. Pre-Wallace. Oh, I, have, I have another thing about Michael B. Jordan, but go ahead, yeah. Pre-Wallace with some Pre-Wallace. really good acting because mm-hmm. turns out he forged his birth certificate to be a little bit older so he could play. And they're the and the other coach is a dick because you can't play. So Keanu tells him, and he does this really good. I just want to play, and kind of goes to a place where it's like, oh, I, I can see there's possible Oscar nomination for this kid twelve years down the road. What was your MBJ thing? So number one, one thing I thought about last night is, what if that's actually Wallace? What if Wallace? I thought is the from same Chicago? thing. <laughs> If he had been named Wallace, could they have just made it seem like he just moved to Baltimore? Right. He moved to Baltimore. He was still in the game. That, yeah. that sent him to the dope game. No, but two of my Well, they friends, called him Jamal. We don't never knew what his last name is. So technically, you could say his name was Jamal Wallace. <laughs> Jamal Wallace. Um, so a friendship aged the best on this. My friend, shout out to my friend Sterling Brim. You might know him as Stilo Brim. Uh, from Ridiculousness. You ever see that Ridiculousness yep. show on MTV? What are you That's talking about? It's the only thing they show at MTV. It's the only thing they show, yeah. My man Sterling, who's on that show, his best friend in life right now is Michael B. Jordan. Sterling is in this movie. This is the movie where Sterling and Michael B. Jordan met. Sterling is uh, the kid with the afro. Mm. He doesn't have very many lines, but he's in the movie. He was one of the best. When he was a kid, he was one of the best um, youth baseball players in Chicago. So he was supposed to go out there and apparently just be an extra on another team in the movie, but they wanted him to be on the actual team he plays Sterling. He met Michael B. Jordan, and they've been boys cool ever since, and they got a lot of stuff together that they're doing out here in L.A., so shout out to them. Their wow. friendship aged the best. Yeah, That's a good what's aged the best. Mm-hmm. Another what's aged the best. I'm reasonably sure that this movie created the We Go Into the Ship chant. I was trying to think if that... Ar- like existed before this movie. It, I don't think it did. And but I googled I it, it and did. I looked and I I think this movie created it and I think it's where it came from. Mm. Nah, it's pretty I mean, good. I'm, I'm saying I mean to me that yeah it was, it was like I, I was trying to think it's like we go into the ship. I'm thinking had I heard that before then because we didn't say that we went downstate but we didn't talk about hey we going to the ship. But yeah nah it's dope. Uh John Hawks who was Kiana's degenerate buddy in this movie and eventually became a really respected actor and got nominated for an Oscar for um, that Jennifer Lawrence movie. I think it was called Winterbone, Winter's Bone. He's in Miami Vice, but he's been around. He's good in this movie. Another What's Age the Best, and this will also be a What's Age Worse later, but uh, the the baseball game, he takes kids to the baseball game, which is a fun scene. Sammy Sosa has a cameo. Yes, he does. Peak Sammy Sosa. Yeah. He's never been bigger, more famous Tolan, this part of the story is the best for me. That was a good Sammy Sosa impersonation. <laughs> they paid him fifty thousand. Sammy, <laughs> Sammy showed up in the limo, but then wouldn't get out until he got ten thousand in cash. <laughs> so they had to scramble. They had to scramble. They could only find five, which he then gave to his assistant, but also insisted on the fifty k. They were also paying him, so they ended up paying him fifty five thousand dollars to turn around. Smile into the camera and do the chest thing. Right. Now, if you'd have told me that story about Sammy Sosa, then I'd have been like, nah, man. But if you tell me that story about Sammy Sosa now, you might believe it. It seems pretty on brand. Yeah. 
Netherwood Sage the best. I'm really proud of this one. So I saw this movie in the theater. Then it came out on uh, pay-per-view. My wife didn't know G-Baby died. So I'm like, let's watch Hardball. This Hardball is really good. It's You'll like Dick, it. Dickhead. My wife's one of those, if anything like a G-Baby death, my wife reacts like it's the biggest tragedy basically that that's ever, she's just lose, she loses her mind. Mm-hmm. So she's telling me, she sees what it is. It's about little league kids in Chicago. And she says, does anyone die in this movie? And I'm like, no. <laughs> She's like, are you lying to me? I'm like, no, no, nobody dies. It's like, it's like a Disney movie. You'll like it. All right. G-Baby gets shot. Top four maddest she's ever been at me in our entire relationship. 23, we've been together 23 years. Yeah. Like actually attacked me. Like attacked me. Like right. punched me you multiple times. Me. You're a she, jerk. And, but was crying. Was right. <laughs> sobbing, crying, and just throwing haymakers and hooks at me. You lied. You lied to me. <laughs> it was worth it. Uh, we mentioned um, the too late practice ending past a certain time mm-hmm. and him not realizing that I thought that was handled really well that that's a, a what's the best the unintentional comedy of Keanu's overacting Keanu's smoking and drinking now apparently Keanu smokes in real life I I or it did at some point mm-hmm. but still has that Tom Cruise issue where when he smokes it seems like an actor pretending to smoke but then the the the, the Diane Lane I don't know what's going on with that relationship in this movie. This she's trying really hard. She's working right. hard. He's not really feeling it. She's also making unfaithful at the same time, which she gets nominated for an Oscar for. So she's like the the, the burgeoning burgeoning sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, and it's just not there. She it's just it's a That's waste of Diane Lane. So this is what happens. She really wanted Keanu and like it was like they had tension and she she's poured it all into her performance in Unfaithful which is one of the most sensational films that has ever been made I we've done it on movie. the rewatchables I would have invited I, you yeah well guess what I'm gonna watch it on my own like that's a great movie <laughs> shout out to Diane Lane in that movie we all it's a went great as, one. we all went as a crew Think oh. about that. Like as a crew, me and the homeboys, we like, oh, it, it was, it was going down in unfaithful, bro. And rest in peace, Olivier, because it, it, it had you had to get the snow globe, bro. You had to get the snow globe to the dome. You did too much, you know what I mean? And now he we did. know that he was a, he was a little too smarmy, a little too smart. I don't want to say he was asking for it, but he's kind of asking for it. Now we know that in real life. He would have took that snow globe from Richard Gere and beat right. the shit out of him. Because remember right. how he fucked up Halle Berry's? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, just had to get in a, a nod in for Unfaithful. Great work, Diane. Woo. Love We it. did, Chris Ryan and I did, well, I did Unfaithful with Wesley solely to just talk about Diane Lane for a half hour because she's one of my all-time <laughs> favorites. Right. She's... Great. She's ready to roll in this movie. She's got nothing to work with. She's playing a Catholic school teacher and mm-hmm. Keanu is more interested in gambling on the Bulls. Yeah. Um, the uh, the idea of a Chicago Bad News Bears, I just have to say that's at what stage that I easily would have watched this as a TV show. We could talk about that later. Mm-hmm. I like when G-Baby negotiates Kofi's return to the team. is oh, really like good. We need scene. that G-Baby scene. We need a scene where I'm like, oh, I like this kid. Like yeah. That's beyond just him being little and cute. Uh, Big Papa and then I think they had a really good crew of child actors they did I think that's a hard thing to pull off there wasn't one annoying child actor of the group there's no 
inauthentic one or somebody that just was a turd in the punch bowl. I thought everybody worked. I will say this. Black kid child actors normally get it done. You think about it. We hit for a high percentage as far as child actors are concerned. You think about the movies that we've that we've been in where we were, were kids. You know? This would be a good Sloan Conference paper for you to present at the next Sloan Conference with advanced metrics. I'm with that. like uh, Because I, I guarantee you that in all of, like, we don't have, like, a, like, remember Anakin in Phantom Menace where he just fucking ruined the movie? Yeah. Like, we don't really have one of those. I mean, we don't really get those roles, but we don't really have one of those where a, where a black kid just ruins a movie. Think about it. Just, like, trying every, to, you, you know, no, well, no, we do have, though. We have Rudy, raven Simone. We have black kids getting it done is what we have, Bill. One of my talents in life is, I. I could zag here and throw no, but what about this person? And I can't come up with anybody. You've actually stumped me. Yeah, no, because this is pretty good. Because the cute black kid in the movie normally gets the job done. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. Any other would yeah. say your best for you? Uh, unfortunately, the narrative surrounding gang violence in Chicago. Mm. This was actually the first movie where I even realized that Chicago had gangs, and we know now that Chicago has a very deep and unfortunately rich. Uh, gang history, and we've learned even more so about that, obviously, throughout the 2010s with the music scene that popped off and some of the things, some of the headlines that we get now. But Harbaugh was one of the first times, obviously, you know that it's rough living in the South Side of Chicago, but Harbaugh was one of the first movies that, like, showed that to me. I was like, oh, that's how it's going down out there. My mother was like, yeah, they got gangs out there in Chicago. But I remember it was one of the first times I saw it. So unfortunately, that narrative, there hasn't really been very much done to, to address that in the city. But you know, hopefully problem solvers solve problems. I had that in what stage the worst. If they made this movie now, I feel like she, the that part of Chicago is having so many problems that I almost feel like the movie would have to be different. I, I don't need, you couldn't just try to be like, oh, we're going to make this baseball movie and we're going to sprinkle in some real life stuff. I think the real life stuff would overpower the movie. Keanu does not have a gambling ver- problem. They punt on all of that and they go much deeper, I think, into the kids and the world that they're in if they redo this movie. Well, to be honest with you, I think that that's- That's probably a, very, a better movie. Astute observation. Yeah, it's a better film because to be like Keanu's problems, really to be honest with you, don't even scratch the surface to what the kids in yeah. the the and we don't care about Keanu. Yeah, we're right. like whatever. You have a gambling problem, great. Self inflicted. You know what I yep. mean? Um, and they're living in a war zone. So, and that also was, to be honest with you, an indication of sort of the narrative space that we were in in that time. It's kind of the we talked about the movie being slightly a white savior movie. It was a time when we cared more about the savior than the people getting saved. And now I think things have switched up a little bit. I wonder how much of that is economic, though. Because like Tolan said, Keanu didn't make the movie. We had no movie. You know, like you you basically only had so many movies or so many stars that you could get a movie made. Now, ironically, they made Coach Carter with Sam Jackson. He was one of the few black stars at that time where you could be like, we have Sam Jackson. Cool. The studio goes, "Here's, here's the suitcase of cash to make the movie. There weren't that many of them. Like you could do it with Denzel back then, Will Smith. Sam Jackson. Now I feel like there's more, but I to, to me it still comes down to star power. If if it's a movie built around, we need one star one for the poster. Yeah, um, we have more choices now, obviously, than we did in 2000. More would say the worst. They murdered G Baby. Did we yeah. cover that? Oh, we covered that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
horrible, horrible Wikipedia page, IMDb page. Like, it was so hard finding any information about this movie, mm-hmm. which is just not treated like the classic that it is on the internet that I had to call Mike Tolan and get stories. Uh, this is the end of the D.B. Sweeney era, I feel like. Like D.B. Sweeney, yeah. we, cutting edge, really eight men out, cutting edge. It really felt like we might have something with him. And then all these years later, he's just playing the uh, kind of the dick villain coach, but it, they didn't really explore his character at all. Like they didn't Bad News Bears, where that guy is like the Antichrist in that movie. To me, I wonder why D.B. Sweeney took the role. Do you do you not know that you're D.B. Sweeney? You're in Eight Men Out. That's a very serious movie. You're in the Memphis Belle. You're in all of these different movies. D.B. Sweeney was kind of like a thing, toe pick. He's in the movie for three or five, like three or four scenes just being a straight dick to kids. It's like, that's not a role that like a yeah, D.B. Sweeney would, would, would play. Come on, D.B. Come on. Another would say yeah. the worst. The Sammy Sosa cameo. His career basically goes downhill from this moment on. It's over. Right. Um. They ripped off some White Shadow stuff. That's my favorite TV show ever. It's also over four decades old. Nobody even remembers it. But uh, G-Baby getting killed and then deciding to play the game anyway. Direct ripoff of Jackson getting killed in season two of The White Shadow. Spoiler alert. And then them deciding to play the city championship. I keep trying to tell you, it was based on a real book. Maybe I get it. Kid I get it. Killed. It's the same premise of the guys right. voting to play. I'm just telling right. you. Right. Yeah. Uh, more would say the worst. Look, this is what we do with sports movies. It's weird when it's a youth sports movie, but mm-hmm. there's two games where the kids are on Sports Center with like the 10 greatest plays you've ever seen anybody make in the field. <laughs> People robbing home runs, right. uh, shortstops going deep into the hole on backhands right. and doing the Jeter stop, throw across the body. It's, it's tough. a little crazy. Um, not but as it, crazy. But to that point, though, well, no, I would tell you to my, my what age the worst. Not as crazy as when we have basketball movies where all the characters can dunk, but still a little crazy when we have baseball movies and every defensive play has, for love of the game has this too. Every play has to be the greatest play you've ever seen in your life. It can't just be like routine grounders short. (laughs) Uh, Two more would say the worst. The, The Diane Lane's character, the date she goes on with Keanu is so weird. He's such a dick. Like, such no, a jerk. no woman would ever talk to him again after that date. Right? Like and she comes back for more two days later. Right. Um, and then the last one I have, I just don't like the ending song for the movie. The storm uh, is over, but it's uh, over now. Well, I just, a- I, I'm not criticizing the song. Right. I just wanted a different song. I, I didn't feel like that was the song for that moment of the movie. I don't know what the song is, but it wasn't that. Okay, so the song that plays over the credits is my number one was Age the Worst because my friends, that is one Mr. Robert Kelly, better known as Oh, R. you're right. Kelly. That's so it's a double with Age the Worst. Like Bad the, choice of song tri- and like R. Triple, Kelly. Triple. But <laughs> and it's a kid's movie. Oh, yeah, it's and a triple kids, terrible. And it's, I, I thought about that. I'm like, it's a kid's movie in Chicago where R. Kelly's fucking shit took place. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely aged the worst. Great call. Casting what ifs. Don't really have any. Keanu was always the guy. Tolan mm-hmm. said uh, Diane Lane was kind of shoehorned in. Initially, the movie didn't have a love interest. It's in the era where the studio is like, hey, can we work in a female in here somewhere? And they figured out the Diane Lane thing. Mm-hmm. Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants Award. There's a couple great that guys in there. 
Did you watch Oz? Yes. The mafia guy from Oz, Antonio, he's the guy that uh, Keanu gets 12K from. Craig. Yes, yeah. Did you watch Oz? No. Would Craig like Oz? Yes. I feel like Oz was one of like the 10 most important TV shows of my life. Right. So there are a couple of different mafia guys. There was uh Shibetta. Not it's not Shibetta. Yeah. It's the other it's 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 the guy who takes because it's Nino Shibetta and then his son takes over, and then this guy takes over after both of the Shibettas are out. So yeah, he 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 plays the Fink in this movie. So you have that guy as a that guy, but then the our winner is that guy who was in the first two Ed Burns movies is Ed Burns' yeah. brother. He plays the Wall Street guy who gives Keanu the job in this movie. He's his real name's Mike McGlone, but uh everyone just knows him as the Ed Burns brother guy. Okay, I love that guy. And I love that guy specifically because of his role in She's the One. You mean when he's juggling Cameron Diaz and Jennifer Aniston? When he's juggling <laughs> Cameron Diaz. And Jennifer Aniston. If you At guys the height never, of her hotness. If, if you guys have never seen She's the One. Wait, could this be a rewatchable? Because I'm know. dying to do it. I think it, I wrote this once. The best looking cast of females in any movie ever, other than nuts. maybe Boomerang. Maybe nuts. Boomerang. And and like, and so he's so attracted, just real quick, he's so attracted to Cameron Diaz in the movie. That he won't sleep with Jennifer Aniston. And Aniston's like masturbating in the bathroom, and he's like not even not, not into it. not even like turning right to see it. And it's funny because she keeps accusing him of being gay, and he tells yeah. her one time at the end of the movie, he goes, he goes, I'm not. He's like I'm. In, he goes, I'm in love with somebody else. And then she goes, Who is he? And he gets so pissed <laughs> off. I love that movie. I'm gonna watch that later. But I no, like that like, movie too. Yeah, it's great. I love that movie. Yeah. I'm there. All I have to do is text me and say you're ready to do that one. I, right. that, that's Aniston at like her all-time apex. Mm -hmm. Uh the Vincent Hannah Give Me All You Got Award for overacting. Clearly, Keanu. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, no, nobody else is coming close. The Judd Nelson Award for the person who seems like they're in a completely different movie. It's gotta be Diane Lane. Yeah. I think they probably had her for five days. They probably didn't even tell her what the plot was. They're just like, you're going to be in some scenes with Keanu. You might sit in the stands for a baseball game and uh, we'll try to get you out by the end of the week. It's just weird because it's a movie that she would have never even thought of doing like a year and a half after that. Because after right. Unfaithful, Unfaithful comes out. Yeah, she's turning she, this down. Yeah. Deanne Waiters Award for Best Heat Check. Is Keanu's gambling buddy eligible, John Hawks? Or was he in the movie too much? Probably. In the movie, probably a little bit too much. Um, ah, it's not that... I mean, because he... Yeah, I think we, he's we, the winner. He's yeah, only we, we, in five scenes. Yeah, we have a thin cast here, so we don't have very many. And to be honest with you, there's a lot less scenes with the kids than you think there are. So yep. it can't be any... It can't be any of them. So no, give it to him, yeah. Our other winner could be uh, MBJ. When he turns into Wallace by the end of the movie, he's only in like five scenes. He gets a good yeah. acting scene in. It's it's Michael B. Jordan as a kid. Mm -hmm. So that could be the other nomination. Very sad look at the end. Yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, recasting couch. This is where I had the, I wouldn't recast the movie. I would recast Jamal and make his name Wallace. So we had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, if his name's Wallace, this opens up the door for so many different things to come out yeah. of this. I like connecting these movies like the MCU multiverse. Me too. Like all this, because like it's an origin story for Wallace. 
I always thought you should be able to acquire characters from movies the same way like you can trade for players in sports teams. Like I used to love Taggart and the uh, other guy in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, Rosewood. the two cops, Rosewood yeah. and Taggart. Yeah. I just felt like they should have been available to another movie to just basically <laughs> trade for them. We'll give you $10 million for Rosewood and Taggart for one movie. You just get those characters and throw them into your cop drama. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, we're going to take a break. Then I have uh, some half-fessing research. Okay, half-ass internet research. Well, he takes the kids to a baseball game. That's not Wrigley Field, Van. Mm. Do the wide shot. We see the outfield. We know Wrigley Field has fucking Ivy in the outfield. No, mm. what they're showing us is Tiger Stadium. Mm -hmm. So they cheated. They filmed it in Tiger Stadium, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with cheating to save money. But don't give me the wide shot of the outfield wall that doesn't have Ivy on it. Or cheat it and you know, do a shot of the Ivy, but I, I just don't so understand why that I, happened. I do have maybe some explanation for this. If you go back and listen to the radio report for the game that was supposed to happen that night, it was supposed to be interleague play. So it was supposed to be Cubs versus White Sox. Is there a possibility that the Took Sox it White Sox game. were at home? Because the so, Sox are also on the south side. It's possible. They filmed it at Detroit Stadium. So, so either, yeah, either so way. You could say, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah but, but I don't know if it was supposed to be Wrigley Field is what I'm saying. I like that thought. Right. <laughs> if you're looking for authenticity, you could make believe that they're at a White Sox game and it's an interleague game. That's fair. Right. The characters always talk about going to Sluggers. They shot multiple scenes at Sluggers. It's on Clark and Addison. Um, not a real bar. <laughs> There's a bar called the Cubby Bar. Sluggers is exists, but it's at a different location. So they do not have Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat footage from the games that our guy Connor is gambling on. What the shit? Like, yeah, that, that was so obvious. Like, why can't they? Because you have to ask the NBA for that, right? Allegedly, they used the CBA game. So that's why they <laughs> they cut uh, the CBA footage, but they do it quick so you can't really see what's going on. What's interesting is, so they made that Uncut Gems movie. Mm -hmm. Uncut Gems is like, fuck it. We're just, we're fair using the basketball footage, right? We're going to use this Celtic Sixers thing. They researched the legality of how to do that. And the rule is, as long as you use the footage in a way that's in your story, but you don't change what happened in the game in any way, you just straightforward missionary, missionary position, use the footage. <laughs> missionary position. You can do it. So they right. could have actually used a Chicago-Miami game, and I'll give you a couple candidates later, use the footage and made believe the spread was the spread and used it so that, you know, if it was a seven-point inning, they could have done it. So, But they mm. didn't know that back in 2001. Um, Brian Robbins, the director, said The Matrix had just come out and was a massive thing and all the kids were starstruck by Keanu and doing Matrix shit with him when they weren't filming and just were like, this is the Matrix guy. And then MBJ said, Keanu took the whole cast out to dinner with him and Lawrence Fishburne. And... He said, I still remember thinking to myself in astonishment. I guess this is what movie stars do. Take their cast out to dinner with other big actors. It was such a cool moment with two of my heroes. 
And now Aww, he's so. now he's a hero. Now he's Michael yeah, B. Jordan. He's the guy. Way to go. Tolan said they premiered the movie on September 10th at Paramount. Yes. The night is September 10th. Yes. Do it. Oh, and then that was it. The world changed the next day. Apex Mountain. Keanu Reeves, no. Keanu's acting. Apex Mountain? The, the, has he ever done better than the funeral scene as an actor? In one scene? Probably not. In one scene, probably not. I don't think but, he has either. But there's Diane, some performances. There's some performances there that like uh he was pretty sound in. But in one scene, that's probably his best scene. One of my hottest takes is that I I like his performance in Devil's Advocate. That's one of my hottest Keanu takes. I think he was good in that too. I think What's he's good in that. Well, yeah. I think people that movie's so over the top. I think some people are out on that movie. That movie is a fucking like look, go to the fucking watch the movies and have fun. That movie is great. I love that movie. Hey, I like way, it as well. How about the scene when they're on the on the roof of the giant building and Pacino's walking and it's like that weird He's the devil. It seems like you could fall off either right. side. That scene's fucked up, man. By the way, for a 17-year-old Van Lathan for a first date movie, you can't beat it. It's a great point. That is the best first date movie. It's got a little of everything, you know. It's like, whoo! You know, your blood's boiling when you leave there. Shout out, yeah. shout out to Paulette. I, I see you on that one. Shout out to Charlize. <laughs> yeah. Diane Lane, no, for Apex Mountain. MBJ, no. John Hawks, no. DB Sweeney, no. Sammy Sosa, yes. Movie-wise? Ne no, never gets better for Sammy Sosa. 2001, he's still, it's Bonds and Sosa, McGuire. The world mm -hmm. hasn't turned on him yet. There's no steroid stuff with him yet. And, uh, and he's in hardball, and he's telling them, I'm not coming out unless you give me an extra 5K. Now, you know what they could do? They could meet, remake Hardball, and Sammy Sosa could play the white guy. <laughs> he could play. He, he, he like he. They could do remake Hardball with Sammy Sosa, and the white dude that goes back to the inner city hood could be Sammy Sosa. Sammy the Ghost Sosa. He could do ghost. it. Yeah. I was going to ask you this later for unanswerable questions, but who gets the Sammy Sosa cameo now? They do this movie in twenty twenty one. Would it be Aaron Judge? Would it be Otani? If you have to film it in Chicago, is it Eloy well, it's, Jimenez? It's, no, it's Tim Anderson. I mean, is he more famous than Eloy Jimenez in Chicago? He's, he's I, I don't, I don't know if he's more famous than than Eli Jimenez, but he's, he, I think he's the player that those kids would probably most look up to. Yeah, I don't think he would cost fifty thousand. I don't think so either. <sighs> Apex Mountain for ticket scalpers. I don't think it ever got better. Now, the online's coming in a couple of years later. They're prominently featured in movies. They're scalping tickets Is in the movie. Is there a ticket scalping movie? The only the only movie I could think that might be there. Remember Money Talks with Chris Tucker? Yeah. He was a ticket scalper in that movie, and that movie might have been a bigger hit than this one. Um, Apex Mountain for not obviously living Biggie Smalls, but post-death Biggie Smalls? Um, this is when his library was kicking. Very true. We haven't gotten to picking nits yet, have we? No, it's coming. Okay, yeah. Uh, Apex Mountain for Biggie Smalls. No, for for the late Biggie Smalls. For he the he's already dead. Biggie Smalls. No, because he died, and then they put Life After Death out, and then Life After Death was remember it can't be dead Biggie Smalls because dead Biggie Smalls had his own movie about him, Notorious. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Apex Mountain for Big Papa. The song? Come on. Come on, Bill. 
20 plus years in a movie on cable all over the place. When when has this movie ever been played more or, or yeah. song? Okay. Speaking yeah. of the case. How about the Tim Floyd era? <laughs> yes. Boy, I, I cannot. Boy, shout out to Tim Floyd. They put him in there. They thought he was going to be good. Tim Floyd from Iowa State. Uh, yeah. They never, out, they never won 22 games with Tim Floyd. And didn't he get another chance? Where did he go after that? I he feel was like he so got a, bad. I feel like he got another shot. He got another shot at the at the head job. If he did, I don't remember it. Uh, okay, picking nets. So there's a lot of chicanery with the amount of players on this team. First, we have eight, and then three guys who were never addressed. The eight originally are Andre, Andre Jamal, Clarence, Jefferson, Miles couple others g babies in there at that point oh no he's not in there they bring in three more they bring in ray ray kofi and g baby couple kids disappear jamal gets cut now we're down to 10 somehow but then g baby's still there right they only have 10 uniforms initially right g babe no uniform for g baby one player on the bench g baby hits but then after g baby there's nine players. And then in the trophy celebration at the end, we're down to eight. They just, it's, it's all over the place. We never know how many players are on this team. Another pick and dits. Diane Lane, the school teacher, she's not single, Van. No, she's that not, was mine. She's, she's, she's married, never dog. single for one moment of her life. Right. I'm a smoking hot, super nice high school Catholic. I, I work with disadvantaged kids. Like, right. She's the number. She's number one overall draft pick. She's Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, she did, she's not single for four days. Yeah, got the same hair too. So, this is a good one. Takes the kids out to pizza. The bill's forty six dollars. Doesn't have the money. Offers the guys behind the counter loge tickets, low level loge tickets for the upcoming <laughs> Mavs Bulls game. Uh -huh. Again, this is the Tim Floyd era. Right. There, he's offering them tickets to go see 18-year-old Tyson Chandler and um, I don't even Marcus know who the fuck. Pfizer? Marcus, Marcus Pfizer. Marcus Pfizer, all this. <laughs> Was that worth $46? I'm going to say no. I would be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> give me give me the cash. They're Chicago people, though. They going to the game, man. All right, so <laughs> if we're saying they, if this is the 2001 Bulls, because this movie comes out in September. So if we're saying this movie was made in 2001, so it's 2001 Bulls, that team was 15 and 67. Yeah, but it's still I a want trip to the United Center. I want my $46. Fuck you. Take your tickets, go stick them. I'm not going. It's still a trip to the United Center, though, man. Yeah, it is. It's early Nowitzki Nash. I think that should have been the reaction by the pizza guys. It's like I what have Mavs Bulls tickets, and I think one of them should be like, oh, Nowitzki. Oh, I, I, I always wanted to see him. Yeah. Steve yeah. Nash. Now, Craig pointed this out. We don't see Keanu playing baseball enough in this movie. He rips like true. one or two line drivers, but I really needed like Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, which is one of my favorite sports movies. William Devane has the scene when he's hitting everybody grounders and pop flies, and then Kelly Leak takes over the cigarette. He's like, put right. the cigarette out. Mm -hmm. Kelly Leak gets mad. And Devane's just hitting these hard grounders. You're like, this guy looks like a fucking baseball coach. Right. I didn't have that with Keanu in this movie. I really wanted it. I wanted to see him like working with Miles or just do well, baseball I mean, these things. Kids, these kids inherently had baseball gifts because we never see them working at skills in any way. Yeah. They just they put them together and they just started playing. They jailed. 
This is a super nitpick, but I did see this online in a couple places. G-Baby's bullet hole uh-huh. seemed like wow. it came from a handgun. But it was a but shotgun being shot. It's a shotgun, like one of those big <clears throat> right. shotgun yeah. things. So the question is, how did he get that bullet hole from what that shotgun was that was being shot? I don't yeah. know enough about guns, but I just thought I would flag it. Somebody else had to, maybe maybe somebody, maybe the shotgun started a, the action. And it's a piece else, of a bullet. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Somber, somber, uh, somber nitpick there. What was that? What nitpick did you have? That this guy has never heard Big Papa before. That this guy- Connor O'Neill? Connor O'Neill has- (laughs) Degenerate Gambler? Degenerate Gambler, Connor O'Neill has never heard Big Papa before. He's never heard Big Papa before. He's never heard of the Notorious B.I.G. Come on. Like, it, 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 he'd have to have been- had his, and when you look at his age, let's say that that guy was like a 55, 60-year-old guy. Maybe. But he looks like he's 35, 36, 37 at that point. I know Keanu was a little bit older, probably like 40, 41. There's no yeah. fucking way he never heard Big Papa. There's no fucking way he never heard of the Notorious B.I.G. It's just, it's, when I watched that last night, I was like, I love when it, who does it? Notorious, the Notorious B.I.G. How's it go? You've not, you've heard that song. Let me ask you a question. You, at the same point in your life, had you heard the song? That's the single most insulting thing you've ever asked me. (laughs) I can't believe you asked me that. How dare you question any of my 90s rap anything? (laughs) That's my point. That's my point. There's no way good old Connor O'Neill... Had never heard Big Papa and didn't know who who Biggie was. I would say that was one of the 20 biggest songs of the 90s, you could argue, for influence, for how successful it was, the whole thing. It was fucking everywhere, Everywhere. It really was. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Uh, All right. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show is our next category? Certainly. I got to say, pretty easily. Yeah. I also would say... We haven't opened our Ringer sports movie, sports TV show consultancy firm yet. Mm-hmm. I think you should run it by me and Van. If you're really thinking about making this as a 10-episode <laughs> Netflix show, I'm not saying you have to make us EPs. I'm not right. saying we have to be in the, at the front in the credits. But you should come by, take us to lunch, and write us a check, and we'll give you some notes. And just make sure you don't fuck this up. Yeah, do it right. Do it right. We'll just tell you how to do it right. We'll give you three suggestions. We'll be on our way. Think about the Sammy Sosa angle, though. That could make it hot. <laughs> <laughs> and Sammy Sosa as Connor O'Neill. Sammy Sosa as Connor O'Neill. I'm bringing back best quote just for, because I like when Keanu says, no one can kick my ass better than I can and puts his head through a plate glass window. <laughs> Shades of the fight club scene. Yeah. Uh, with, with Ed Norton. That would have been a good Apex Mountain. Was this the Apex Mountain for... Uh, Stars in movies abusing themselves in fights. You know what's crazy? It has to be. Obviously, wait, no, it's Fight Club. But but it's Fight Club and then Hardball is like 18 months later. So it's this is the I, era of self-injury. Is is there another I every time I think about that, like who's kicked their ass the best? And I know somebody's gonna listen to this pod and then remember. There's another one that's good too, but I can never remember it where a guy beat the Well, shit me, out myself, of and Irene has it. Me, myself, and Irene has it, too. But, like, there's another one, too. They don't do that anymore. Bring back beating up yourself in movies. Couldn't agree more. Probably unanswerable questions. Wouldn't it have been a way, way bigger deal 
including camera crews outside the church that poor little nine-year-old G-Baby got killed in gang violence right after having the winning hit in a Little League baseball game. I, I feel like there's at least three camera crews outside the church for the Probably. funeral. Probably. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Especially that's a story that that's on the local news. Yeah, of course. Of course. In his baseball uniform. Man, rest in peace, G-Baby, man. God damn it, G-Baby. What, uh, what classes do you think Keanu taught at the Chicago High School the following year? Oh, good question. Was there Degenerate Gambling 101? Yeah, maybe. Uh, had, had a smoke awkwardly at a bar? Odds. Uh, well, he was the PE guy. He was the PE teacher. How to wear probably, a scraggly leather jacket for 25 scenes in a row. Probably taught the kids how to shoot dice. You know, that's because think about it. Oh, Presbyluski. Remember when Presbyluski couldn't get the kids to pay attention? And so he yeah. he he taught them odds with dice. That's he he this movie has so many wire connections. He was the original Presbyluski in schools. That was my next unanswerable question. Speaking of the wire. Is this movie like a third cousin of The Wire, a second cousin of The Wire, a half brother, an uncle? What what's the family relationship in your mind? It is a second cousin through marriage. Mm, okay. Fair. And I tell you because they're the only reason why no cops. Great. No point. police involvement at all in this film. Last unanswerable question. I of course had to look this up cuz this is what I do. Did that Bulls Heat game actually exist? So I found two Bulls Heat games that both happened in March in 2001 and 2002. 2002, they wouldn't have known because the film movie was already out. So you have to target 2001, March 31st in Chicago, Miami 97, Chicago 90. Miami wins by seven. Mm, Covered. Miami covered. In the movie, he's got Chicago plus six and the guy hits the three at the buzzer. They lose by four. And he covers. Mm-hmm. I actually think they should have looked at the box score and tried to mirror the Heat 97-90 and said, you know, the Bulls are down 10. And then it could have been like, hey, did that actually happen? You look up into the box score and it actually happened. I thought mm-hmm. they could have gotten more authentic. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie, Van? Uh, what piece of memorabilia would I want from the movie? Keanu's leather jacket. It's a great one. I had that targeted as well. I'm going with there's in the last game we cut to the stands and all the the all of a sudden full full stands for the game. Mm-hmm. Bunch of people holding up signs and there's one sign it's like in a it's what is this what is it called when something looks like like a diamond almost uh-huh. and and it says do it for G baby exclamation point and I would take oh, the wow. sign yeah I'd put yeah. that in my office do it for G baby fucking cry every single time yeah do it for G baby. Who won the movie? I I don't ever remember giving this category to a fictional character, but I think G Baby won the movie. I think G Baby won the movie. He did, right? G, the G Baby is by far the most enduring part of Harbaugh years and years and years later. It's the G Baby movie, hundred percent. It's yeah. you can bring up G Baby in any setting of of between three to ten people, and at least one of those people will get really upset and start going. Why the fuck did they kill G-Baby? I still can't believe they did that. And you'll have a whole five-minute conversation out of it. My cousin Rara was calling uh, another one of my cousins, Emmett. He was saying that he was heartless, that he was too hard on uh, on girls. And he was like, bro, you got to stop treating these women like this. It was like, we're getting older and stuff like that. He goes, no, I'm telling you, bro, this dude is heartless. And everybody's kind of not paying attention. He goes... 
This is the kind of dude that laughed when G-Baby got killed and we went nuts. Ooh. We laughed so hard. We laughed so hard, but everybody caught the reference. Like everybody caught the reference. It's like, that's a tough one. And then his face, his little face. Good acting by G Baby, man. G Baby wins the movie. Before we go, producer Craig, come on with us for a second. Yeah. You had not seen the movie. I told you not to Google it. You did not expect what was about to happen to happen. I just wanted to live through it vicariously with you for a second. How shocked, surprised, and appalled were you from one to 10 that G-Baby was actually dead? Well, listen, when he was like, when Keanu was like, hey, G-Baby, it's time to bat. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. And then they just cut away. You're like, what? And it starts to show him go home. And you're like, oh, no, this is really bad. They escape the shooting. You think everything's fine. Then it cuts to them. They go down to his chest and he has a little bullet hole. I thought I was like, he's not going to die. He'll just like make it. He'll be like in the hospital. Like I remember the Titan situation when Bertier's in the hospital and he like watches them win. That's what I thought was going to happen. It was pretty devastating. I teared up pretty bad. I'm happy Liz did not watch this movie because that not would not have gone over well. I was so upset you didn't have Liz watch with you. I really wanted to see what would have happened. Yeah, that's weird. Like you, you have to that. That's part of the fun of the movies. Yeah, you have to film. watch Significant Other. It's a, it's yeah. a you have to watch your Significant Other completely unravel when G Baby goes. Well, um, G Baby is gone. Rest in peace, G Baby. Your legacy lives on. This podcast was produced by Craig Horbeck. You can hear Van Lathan on Higher Learning as well as the Ringerverse. And uh and you'll see him on this on this pod. We there's a couple more we have coming too. But that's it. Uh we'll see you next week on the Rewatch Bulls. <laughs>